if I'm in practice now um, and I want to take opportunity, the first thing I do is I work with my existing database. So if people listening don't have a database, that's their first problem. So database is very, 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 very important because you're always better off to market to existing patients than you are to try to get new ones. New patients are all well and good, but new patients um, cost money to get or they cost time to get through referral. So, you know, I just know, I just pulled like my Metascreen um, people off my Metascreen the other day because I was changing computers. I had like 8,000 people on my Metascreen. So there's like 8,000 emails right there that I've now got access to, to direct email if I wanted to. So the very first thing I'd be doing is working with my existing database. I'd be recording uh, a video. I'll be sending that video out to people, you know, basically about what's happening in the world and now the likelihood of um, problems that people are likely to see. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire and mentor you in your own professional journey. Join Angela Carroll as she meets with practitioners from around Australia and New Zealand and hears how they work, live and grow in the natural medicine field. Shannon Brenton is a naturopath and clinical nutritionist who finds business really easy. He sees a positive future for natural healthcare practitioners. Shannon's recommendations for pivoting your business to grow and flourish right now are one, work online. Two, access your database. Reach out and connect with assurance and support. Three, focus on your niche. Four, take more time with your patients to reassure them and make them feel safe. Five, work on your own consciousness. And six, Look to where the future is going. Join us today for inspiration on your proactive, bright future. Welcome everybody to another episode of Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Today I am very excited because I'm actually recording this with Shannon Brenton, who is a powerhouse of a practitioner and a business guru, I guess I could even call you. I'm so impressed with how you've grown, how you've worked over the years, Shannon. And I'm actually hoping that not only is this going to inspire practitioners, but it's going to inspire me while we talk through. So, <laughs> so Shannon and I first uh, came in contact, oh my gosh, about in about 2004, 2005. You might have been pretty fresh out of college by that stage. And... I remember you know, supporting you on the helpline when you're ringing in, asking about products and what to do. And, and at the time, you, right. yeah, you were working in a, in a health food store with a, you had your clinic there. And so I thought you hadn't had two clinics in Aaron Affair, but now I've just found out you had four clinics. Um, you scaled that business up. You then moved from that into another facility, which I'd um, love for you to talk about and, and uh explain what went on there and then the upscaling process that you went through allowed you to take 12 months off with your family in a caravan driving around Australia your wife and your children and um, all the while while doing your own podcast which I love the uh, traveling wellness show and now you've got a nutritional manufacturing company working in the arena of health so how in the world did you do that that was I just just phenomenal that you did it in such a short period of time. Um, so what have I missed in amongst all of that? What have I jumped through? I guess, look, I guess starting from the beginning, uh, yeah, first of all, you and I did meet on the helpline with Metagenics, which was awesome. And uh, I had a real interest in TCM and you were my TCM guru. 
Um, and um, I consider myself a relatively good TCM practitioner these days, thanks to you, Angela. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. But I was always um, uh, a real sponge for information. And um, I set myself up very early with good mentors. And I was in a position where um, not only did we have health food stores and clinics, but I was a, um, a formulator for many Australian brands that people would know. And some of those brands had, um, had owners like Frank Caruso, who was probably my number one business mentor and one of, one of my very good friends now for almost 20 years. But it's, a very, it's an interesting story, really, because um, back when I just finished um, college and uni, I, um, I did some locum work for Tony Miller, who people might know, the iridologist. And uh, Tony and I were very close, and I used to run around and help her at her lectures. But when she went and lectured overseas, I would always fill in uh, and local for her at one of her um, clinics, which ended up becoming my clinic. Um, but anyway, she, she was a really um, inspiring practitioner, a very, very busy practice. She was seeing on average 10 to probably 15 patients a day. So I stepped in straight out of, um, out of college and uni in what that was at 2002. And um, I had some big shoes to fill, but I was very confident and, um, knew I knew what I knew and, and I was quite sort of uh, specky with the sciencey stuff back then. Um, so I always knew I'd be able to um, partly impress enough to sort of start to get results with people or take over Tony's work. Anyway, this went on for probably, I don't know, six to eight months. And in the end, um, Tony was looking at moving out and offered us the um, both the practice and the uh, health food store. So, yeah, we, we bought that and I went straight into there and that was fantastic. And within four years, we opened four stores and, and um, three clinics. And um, I was just driven by it. Uh, I love helping people. It's, it's been my entire passion since I was very young to, uh, to help people. I wanted to be a chiropractor originally for many years. And then I went into social work and did three years of a degree and uh, moved out of that and did naturopathy. And um, from the very minute I finished my last exam, before I'd even been given my piece of papers, uh, I went straight to the um, Department of Fair Trading at Gosford. I was living on the Central Coast, caught the train from Nature Care College straight to Gosford, got off the train, went to the Department of Fair Trading, registered my business name and started practicing about two days later. And um, I, was, I, I had a flair for business, I had a flair for people and I made those two things my profession and my money-making uh, vehicle essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, but the passion never went away, Angela, you know, so that was, I was always driven by the passion of helping and always driven by the passion of service essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was always something that was well received by people. Um, and uh, I made it a real um, purpose to know every single person that I needed to know who was influential in my space. Uh, be it in this country or another, uh, certainly in my area, uh, I made myself known and anyone who I could work with well. So, you know, chiros, physios, doctors, specialists, um, I knew them all and um, made a real effort to uh, liaise with these people and, you know, be a good naturopath, uh, know my craft. And uh, that led to a, a very solid foundation early um, clinically. And that's where I sat for 17 years, really, before anything happened. Yes, we build businesses, but my whole and sole purpose and passion was clinical work, as you know. Yeah. And um, we got to the point where um, we, we sold out of the stores and we opened up a big uh, facility on the Central Coast, which had an organic paleo cafe, a full gym and eight clinic rooms in it. 
I subleased the clinic rooms. I owned the premises. So I sort of started to get my foot in the door there as far as real estate holdings went. And that's what allowed us to travel. And that one year you talk about turned into four. So we, we traveled full time, full time in the caravan for four years, two full laps of Australia and um, three and a half months in Tassie. And um, so, so social isolation is going to be easy for you. Oh, easy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're at home. We're at home now with three kids, but we're not stuck in a 21 foot box. So it's, uh, it's actually really nice for us. But um, yeah, look, I, I left that business um, as prosperous and as efficient as it was and uh, literally closed the door on my clinic, um, clinics and uh, yeah, bought a caravan and a Land Cruiser and off we went and turned my whole business online overnight and, and took a hit, I must say. Uh, I'd say I probably lost half of my clientele. Um, I referred those half to colleagues of mine, people who just wanted the face-to-face -face experience, which I completely understood. And um, the rest of my work I did online and uh, yeah, moved then more into manufacturing, which I've been doing now for the last couple of years and more into formulation. And um, it's been a really nice balance for us. I remember uh, quite a few years back, you came and did a three-day training with Metagenics for Oh, I think it might have been your BIA oh, device. No, it was, that was Hemaview. Hemaview, Hemaview. And I remember, yeah. remember we were talking there about, you know, your business, working on your business, spending time working on your business. And yeah. I remember at one stage you said you'd been working lots and lots of hours and then your business coach or a mentor had said, no, you need to spend you know, a day working on your business. And you thought, oh, my God, if I spend a day working on my business, I'm not earning the money. And then so That's you right. took the time out, you worked a day on your business and – I yeah. think I remember, and I might be totally misquoting you, you said that you doubled your income by working on the business. And then the mentor yeah. said to you, okay, now I want you to take two days working on your business. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to lose more money. But <laughs> uh, I remember you like tripled your money or something by working, working more on your business. Is that something that you're able to talk about? If you remember back that yeah, you, look, you, you only really get a top-down view um, when you take that time out to look at it. And at that time, uh, I had a lot of staff. Um, I had one of my own brands, like a, a sport nutrition company that I owned as well. There was a lot of moving parts at that phase. And um, it's not until you actually step out of the clinic and allow yourself to have a bird's eye view of what you've created or what you're involved with, that, yeah, you can have a really good... Um, not just a look at it, but a, a really strong critique, you know? And... That's once again, a bit of a Frank Caruso thing. I remember when we had a couple of stores, Frank used to ring me up in the mornings and he'd say, before you do anything, before you go into your practice or anything, I want you to go and stand out the front of your shop and I want you to look at your shop and tell me whether or not you'd want to shop there. And um, he was one of the first people that was very instrumental for me as far as you're looking at the business as its own entity. Um, it's very true that our businesses are an extension of us in, in many parts, but with that, it creates a very significant aspect of emotion. And it's about being able to remove that emotion enough to look at your business for what it is, for all its strengths and all its weaknesses. But it allows you then to actually um, re-enlist new energy on the actual structure and movement of that business going forward. And that's where a lot of people, I think, really fail. They get too caught up in um, you know, their passion of being a practitioner. Uh, which you've got to have, right? Um, that goes without saying. But 
past that, you, your business is a separate entity. You know, it has cash flow demands. You know, you, you've got to know what's happening uh, with the business itself. Uh, you've got to listen to your patient base as well. They'll tell you whether things are moving in the right way or not. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I ended up um, traveling and moving things online because, you know, a 17 year, very successful clinical career started to wither somewhat for me. And it was withering somewhat because I took my energy off it. You know, um, I wasn't driven by it anymore. I was actually burnt out. I've, I've treated nearly 80,000 people now one-on-one and um, that was starting to take its time on me in the end, particularly specialising in chronic disease. And there needed to be a shift, but that shift could only be there because, you know, my 10 to 12 to 15 patients a day became, became five or six and uh, I had to look internally, you know, and that's when you've got to actually move away from your business and actually ask what it now needs. And when you understand business, you understand too that every business has, you know, a, a startup, it has a growth cycle and it has a death phase. Every business has that and every business will have that inside a 10 year time frame. So really I'd kind of cheated that for seven more years, but my business at that phase was looking at its death cycle and that was the point then of needing to renew it, you know? So yeah. that death cycle doesn't mean the end. It just means the end of what was and the beginning of what's, going to come you know yeah, i do a lot of uh recommendation for practitioners to watch their figures look at what their what their data is telling them so that you go through the growth phase and then you normally have a plateau phase before you die and the idea yeah. is if you can catch it at the plateau phase then you can actually accelerate into another growth phase before it goes Absolutely. down but if you're not watching your data or you you're distracted with other things in life or you're going through burnout, which is very real, then that's where you do get that drop in patient numbers. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's funny you talk about Hemaview um, and that time that I saw you in Adelaide for those you know, five days, whatever it was, but that had come partly from that phase where a lot of my um, chronic-based patient database was starting to drop down somewhat, but as was my passion for treating it. And I was treating a lot more people in the high-end sport phase. I was working with the South Sydney Rabbitohs at the time. That was 2014 when they got their win. I was working with a lot of, you know, a lot of athletes like Anthony Mundine and, and people like that, Kelly Slater, uh, a lot of athletes that I worked with one-on-one. And that's what moved me then into Hemaview. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, I look at the, the new growth phase now. Um, what do I need to do? What can my clinic actually start to take on board now, which is going to advance it from where it is currently? And uh, Hemaview was, was one part of uh, what I put into the clinic to, I guess, breathe some new life into it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is. And so it's, re- it's really about being able to look at things, like I said, with removed emotion and understanding what it is, not just what you need, but it's also what humanity needs. I always see myself almost like a, a, um, a practitioner of people, practitioner of, of humans and understanding what the, the, the movement is becoming in the world, you know? Um, hence why I did all that work with you around TCM. I, I found myself kind of seven years into a clinical career where old protocols, in all honesty, weren't working the way they used to. Um, and I couldn't just approach, say, an SLE case with the same, you know, um, you know, TH2 you know, mindset that I might have had at some phase and I needed new ways of dealing with it. And um, that's when I started to draw a lot of, you know, TCM-based stuff and with your help, uh, move my clinic in a way which I felt was treating people at a much um, uh, deeper core-based level. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, adaptation very important. Yeah, I think and, that's very yeah. poignant at the moment. So at the moment we're you know, going through COVID-19, practitioners are slammed. They're so busy right across the country at the moment, but they're also in an uncertain position as to what their future looks like. So yeah. I think the practitioners who are going to do well in the future, no matter what the future looks like, are practitioners who can adapt, adjust, uh, move forward fast, be agile, as it's uh, called out there in the world, agile, uh, and yeah. getting out there. What can I offer? How can I change? You know, making moving appointments online, doing acute appointments, you know, drive through. Some pra pra uh, practitioners are doing drive through pickups. You know, you, you need, know what you need and they can drive past the clinic and pick up their bags of goodies. Um, yeah. What can you do to get through the next six months? Because it could realistically be six months of lockdown. You know, um, yeah. yeah, it's in flux. But once we come out the other end, it's the people who have that agility. What's the future going to look like? Um, you know, how can you find them? You had mentors. How can you find a mentor that can help you? How can you find coaches that can help you to see a way through? Yeah, look, I think at the moment the the uncertainty is primarily in legislation, product supply, these sorts of things. But what is certain, and, and it's where I'd take my mindset at this time, is that people are still here. Um, people are still people. People are still consumers. Um, and the practitioners that are going to do well at this point are the ones that don't allow fear-based reactivity to dictate their business moves. So even though I believe that uh, adaptation now is absolutely paramount. It's almost like the stillness is required within first before the move should be made. Mm. Um, too much reaction, particularly when it's a fear-based reaction, will generally end in a shit fight. So I'm more about thinking, okay, what's happening in humanity right now? What's the impact of what's happening with people? Because people are your patients. Um, you know, what are they needing right now? I, I see a great I see a great opportunity right now. Seriously, if I was still practicing full time, I reckon I'd probably double my business in the next month just based upon what's happening with people. People are feeling distanced. They're feeling isolated. Um, you know, they're, they're not feeling heard. They're feeling worried and scared about the future. They're worried about scarcity. Uh, there's so much opportunity now for um, group-based online programs and keeping money down. Uh, you're right, moving uh, onto online platforms and, and Zoom-based platforms and things like that. Um, but there's a real need, like I said, to just centre oneself at this time, have a look at what humanity needs right now, not what you need, not what your business needs, and start to move in that direction based upon, you know, what drops in, you know? Um, a lot of these things for me, it's based on feel, not so much, um, you know, cognition. Okay. Cause the brain will say shit. And we go into that, you know, <laughs> that point where nothing good happens and we stress about what's going to happen and we worry about the outcome. It's more about being able to say, okay, you know what, we're all in this together. This is a, an issue for humanity, not an issue for a few practitioners or, a, you know, a, a certain industry. And, being able to weather our way through that with strong resolve. And I honestly think that uh, business will strengthen from this like it, like it always does, but it's the legislation that's the unknown right now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So at the moment we can practice still, 
um, yes. as long as, and moving the practice to online for most practitioners is really going, going to be the answer for the, the next, at least the next six weeks anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, honestly, if this is going to push a lot of practitioners to get to understand how this works better, you know, how do you do online consultations? Um, you know, yeah. if, if you, if you, what is it? The oh, adversity is the mother of necessity. Is that what that is? No, adversity. Absolutely. Is <laughs> what is it? Yeah. I can't remember the saying, but I think you know what I mean. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's true. Um, innovation yeah. to become innovative. And it just opens up, you know, your ability to be able to work in different ways, to be able to see patients in the future in different ways, to set your appointments yeah. differently. Uh, and I think also the online thing, once we move away, particularly for females, we move away from that touchy-feely aspect where you're actually, you know, um, face-to-face or knee-to-knee with your patients, I reckon that the appointments time will be able to cut down. I think you'll be able to yeah, actually sure. condense that time more effectively. Yeah. And well, what do I really need to say in this appointment? Uh, what do we need to actually get done? What do we need to achieve? So, I agree with that. And the way I set my online up, my online appointments up originally was um, by emailing forms to patients first. Um, and I'm happy to get you guys a copy of my forms if you'd like. I uh, love a copy. To, yeah. Can I put that give, in the show notes? Sure, yeah. Just to give people a bit of an idea because what I've found, number one, it gives you a real good idea as to what's coming up. Um, the expectations of the appointment um, are much easier to meet. Keeping in mind our role as practitioners is to give results, right? We're, result, we're, we're results-based practitioners. You've got to be a good practitioner. You want to earn money, you give people results quickly. So the, the great thing about um, the online forms is you get a great amount of detail before the actual appointment, which I found um, very, very efficient as far as leading me as to where I need to go with that person. Even with, you know, talking about, you know, like uh, unconscious and subconscious stuff, I know based upon those forms, the way the person wrote, uh, the tone in their writing, uh, everything would kind of give me an understanding as to who I was about to deal with, which I found, um, you know, quite pertinent to the outcome of the case. But um, there's a real opportunity now, Angela. Um, and the, see, I personally don't like doing online work, uh, in all honesty. I'm very much the touchy-feely type person. Um, I do my best work face-to-face. And what you're going to find now, though, is that people don't have a choice. <laughs> so um, be- beforehand, people would say to me, you know what, Shannon, I just love seeing you face-to-face. Um, I don't feel the online thing as much, blah, blah, blah. And I'd send them off to a colleague. Right now, everyone's in the same boat, right? So we've got a really... Uh, good space right now where it's a very, very even playing field for all practitioners to come from. And I would say that 85%, if not more practitioners won't bother, to be honest with you. And this is where the opportunity for the other practitioners comes in because the people who are really there for their patient base, people who are really, you know, driven by the concept of business and doing it and doing it well, they're the ones that are going to upskill right now and they're the ones that are going to all of a sudden find themselves in a position where other practitioners are dropping off and closing their doors. That will be the reality, as sad as that is to know. Mm. Yeah, that takes a bit to digest though, doesn't it? It does. 100% it does. And sometimes it's the digestion that's required though. Sometimes we need that that week of just nothing. I'm not going to speak about business. I'm not going to think about business. I'm going to spend some time being still. I'm going to spend some time out, you know, just grounding myself in nature. I'm going to spend some time just meditating, you know, just trying to allow this to sort of 
drop in, you know, work on some chakra balancing for a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Um, and often we'll find that will come. And it reminds me, as a matter of fact, of, of uh, a famous story about Henry Ford. And um, Henry Ford said, uh, yeah, sort of quote unquote, but loose because I don't remember it perfectly. Um, I still remember the fork on the road where the question I'd pondered for months finally presented itself to me. And essentially it was in a horse and carriage cruising along asleep on the back seat and voila, something mm -hmm. popped up that he'd been wanting to sort of um, get a, a great outcome for just presented itself almost by mistake, but it happened in stillness, yeah. you know? Yeah. Then that, so, that only comes um, from stillness because you have to, you can't be thinking and receiving at the same time. It's, no, it's, right. you know, you, if you want to be guided, if you want to be directed from all the practitioners yeah. I've ever worked with, all the practitioners, not even just limited to practitioners, you know, even people like Brené Brown talks about it. And um, the woman that wrote, wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth. Yes. Um, can't remember her name. We're having a day of not remembering things properly today, but I think it's the, the way things are rolling. Um, yeah. you, you just need to be in that receptive state. If you want, if you want ideas, if you want, um, you know, so use quarantine time, use shutdown time to, to absorb and, and bring stuff in, not panic in panic mode. You're not going to get anything coming in. And I'm seeing so much of that happening now. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for the world in so many ways. I'm, I'm hearing from people who are spending the time with their husband that they haven't spent for a long time and their relationships are flourishing and, isn't it nice having the kids at home as much as they shit me? It's been really good to actually have some family time and actually prepare that meal together. And that's just a classic example, I guess, of what, you know, humanity is gaining right now. But the same thing as a practitioner, as a person in service, it's about being able to allow that to drop in and say, well, what have I got to gain from this? Why is this, why is this happening for us rather than why is this happening to us? You know? And, um, that that's where the gold will come from and i do think that the people who are capable of moving into an online presence or a social presence um will probably gain a lot from it because it's it's working online is very freeing in many ways you know i used to do all my work from cafes and cafes for me are a happy place believe it or not i'd go down with my bose headphones and i'd have a you know a nice um girl or guy that would you know serve me drinks and great food and i'd sit there and think i'm not paying clinic fees i'm not paying staff i'd sit there with my um you know my fpos machine there and generally run as much through my fpos machine as they would through their till and uh, i'd just find a nice quiet happy spot at the back of a cafe i'd generally be overlooking you know a beautiful ocean or a rainforest or something and uh, i did great work from there because i felt great there i was grounded there you know and uh and from that everything can start to flow it, it fills you up you know the unfortunate nature of stress is that it just depletes us you know and it depletes the heart chakra it depletes the crown and 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 the you know the the third eye and all our intuitive processes and everything just go to shit and we actually find we become less efficient as practitioners which is not why we're here right so you know more work on self and and i guess more kind of just you know letting it drop in what needs to happen now and starting to work forward. Finding mentors isn't really that difficult in today's day and age, simply because of podcasts like this, to be honest with you. And there's always people like you and like myself and, you know, the Frank Caruso's of the world that are more than happy to uh, help, you know, um, people who are A, suffering, B, struggling, or mm -hmm. C, just passionate about, you know, pushing forward, um, you know, and there's always people that care and people that will give you that, that sort of loving support. And, 
you know, once again, we'll find ourselves through this. You know, we will come through this. We always do. We mm. always do. Absolutely. You know, well, you know, we're always happy. I speak for myself, happy to, you know, have practitioners call and like, I need help. I need ideas. What, you know, where do I go from here? You know, we're always yeah. open to that. And I do, I did notice um, on your podcast series that you have, it seems that you've stopped doing that now, but you did have an interview yes. with Frank on there. So if people I want did. to hear more about yeah. Frank, um, yeah. I do have to actually do want to thank you for introducing me to Kerwin, Kerwin Ray, actually. So your interview with him was a great interview. And I really yeah. also, you spoke about Paleo before um, with Pete. I call him yeah. Paleo Pete. Um, that, was a, that was a really... Um, Heart-centered Yeah, it was beautiful interview, mm. actually. Really nice. Mm. So um, that was just a little sidetrack, but um, you know there are resources definitely out there. So what I what I would love to um, ask you a few things about. How, Don't we need to how... do Angela? Just 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 before you go on about that, we need to set up some sort of I guess practitioner Facebook community page or something that needs to flow on from from this podcast, so mm. people can jump on and and just. You know, just chew the fat with each other, you know, and, and, and I'm happy to jump on there and help and advise and, and whatever and no dramas at all. But good will come from this, but people need to group together. That's really where this will come. Yeah, there are, there are a few practitioner group, pod, uh, group Facebook pages that do exist. Um, there's a few that tend to be run toward the negative side of things, yeah. more fear-based ones. Um, we do have one at Metagenics as well that is monitored, so we don't allow the so much of that aspect to come through. But yeah, there's definitely yeah. those things that are there. So Any practitioner that wants to get onto a page like that and be negative uh, always interests me. <laughs> I don't understand, you know. But anyway, what did you want to ask? Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. That's what this is about, isn't it? It's about a conversation <laughs> and learning. So we, I'm interested in the scaling aspect of it. So yeah. what do you have? I should have probably prepped you for this, but do you have, you know, like your top three things you do for scaling, your top, top you know, what, it, what worked for you? What was the stuff that really took you from, you know, being that early practitioner stage or even having the two clinics into four? How did, like, how did all of that evolve? I guess that's um, probably best in two parts because one of those parts has been kind of post-clinic uh, and moving more into the online space. Um, and I'll probably start with there first. So that part was really driven by Kerwin Ray and, and his team. Um, one of his um, group leaders at the time, Sean Sewell, who anyone can look up to online, um, Sean, S-E-A-N, Sewell, S-O-O-L-E. But uh, both those guys, Kerwin and, and Sean, really helped me to um, scale past the physical of the business. So um, they knew my business intimately and uh, they were the ones that basically said, look, the, here's the reality, right? This is the reality, and this is a Frank Caruso thing. Frank will go on a radio show with John Laws or someone, Ray Hadley, someone like that, and he will affect more people in five to ten minutes than I can in about ten years. So the issue with one-on-one -on -one consultation, as much as it's my primary passion, and I would never, ever go without it, because I think that's where the gold lies for most people, is... Even with me treating 15 people in a day, I'm affecting 15 people in a day. That's going to be, what, 75 people a week, right? It's, I got to the point where I found I was continually covering the same stuff so much 
that the scalability become necessary for what the people needed because my one voice was useless just talking to Angela for an hour, you know? So the scalability was, it was more a, a cry from what was necessary for the world than it was for what I needed per se. It just so happened that I wanted to not be sitting in a clinic one-on-one -on -one all the time and I knew that I could affect people in other way. Hence why I started the Travelling Wellness Show podcast. Uh, hence why, you know, I, I lecture all around the country and still do. But while I was running around in my caravan, every state I was in, I'd set up lectures at certain places. I lectured for Kerwin down there in Sydney as well. Um, so I always had things on the fly where I knew I was better in front of groups of people where I could inspire and help more than one person per hour. You know, so that's where my scalability come from. Um, I, I felt that the, the messages I had to share were being wasted in a one-on-one -on -one process, the end. Um, and that was just from doing it for 17 years. That's all. But prior to that, you know, I loved it. And I needed a lot of those years, I guess, to um, um, really, what would you say? To get my message clear, it needed the one-on-one -on -one for a long time. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. But the scalability came from that. So that's where Kerwin and Sean were really instrumental in helping me to go online and setting me up with the right types of people who could make sure that that could happen. Um, and also backing myself, which a lot of the time is, you know, quite um, um, induces hysteria for most people because, you know, <laughs> I, I, walked out, I walked out of a practice. Like I literally closed and locked the door of a practice that was paying me you know, multiple, multiple, multiple six figures every, every year. And I could have been picking apples in three months, Angela. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that was the risk I took. Um, but it was the risk I was willing to take. You know, I, I just wanted to spend time with my kids while they were little. Um, I didn't want to work 60 hour weeks anymore. I wanted to spend more time with my wife who I adored and that's what we did. So I, I literally put that first and I put the business second and I just kept my fingers crossed that the scaling of that would, would work and it did. But the beautiful thing about that was, is that had I not done that, I wouldn't be where I am now. You know, like, um, things like the podcast with Kelly Slater that I did, it's still my number one podcast that I did. I was sitting with him in his bedroom doing that podcast over in Margaret River because I wasn't sitting in a clinic treating people one-on-one. -on -one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all those people I did all those podcasts with, like with Frank, I was in his kitchen. You know what I mean? Like all those podcasts I do face-to-face -face because I told you I'm a touchy-feely person. It's what I like. I don't like doing Zoom stuff and that. So when you yeah, say well, You me, and I were going to have this podcast face-to-face -face until we went into we quarantine. Yeah, We were. Uh, and when you said, you know, why has the traveling wellness show stopped now? Because I don't get pleasure doing it remotely. I don't like that, you know? So all the people I was with there, for me, it was about actually, you know, enjoying that time with those people. And I feel I get better content personally by having the one-on-one. -on -one. But once again, I'm not traveling now, so I'm not doing the podcast anymore. So now I evolve into the next phase. So the evolution of anything's always got to suit you. That's what you've always got to ask the question, you know, like, is this blowing my skirt up? Is this what I want, what, what I want to do day in, day out? That's where the passion comes from. That's where you do your best work. It's where you make the most money. So they all, they all follow each other. But um, yeah, so that second phase was really um, spruced by Kerwin. And, and, and I had Frank in my ear for years though, saying to me, Shannon, you're wasting your time in practice. You're only going to do your best work when you nail that fucking clinic door shut. That was Frank's exact words to me. And uh, it was my fear that kept me there so long, in all honesty, uh, because it was comfortable. That was it. 
I was doing good work. I was making good money. It was comfortable. The minute I chose to get out of the comfort uh, and it forced me to scale, i.e. where everyone is now forced out of their comfort and having to scale, uh, that's where the good stuff will come from. But uh, there was that risk involved. Now, when you talk about scaling of the initial part of my journey, that was real easy. Um, you know, we, we bought Tony's store off her. Uh, the practice didn't go backwards at all. Once my wife um, finished naturopathy, which was about 12 months after me, she went into practice there as well. Um, I work relationships very well. And, um, you know, so people like Frank was someone that at the time I was just someone buying from, from him who at the time was Tally Natural Products, not Caruso's. And uh, I was, I worked very hard with all my, you know, Herbs of Gold, Neutral Life, all those guys. I, I knew them all intimately. I, I was formulating for a lot of them at that time as well. And um, I got the very best discounts I could. I got the very best terms I could. And I grew that first business 30% in 12 months. Um, it made sense to have another one, right? So we thought, this is replicatable. Let's do this again. So we bought another health food store. We actually did two health food stores in the next, I think, 13 months. Um, grew those like crazy. However, here's one for you. The second one we opened, we opened three weeks after, after the pan pharmaceutical recall. So that was quite possibly the hardest time in business I've ever had, ever, you know, um, rather than doing sales, I've got people coming in with all their products saying, well, you know, what do we do? Um, can you give me a refund on my product? I didn't even have any money in my till. So um, no, I didn't give refunds, of course, but I sent people back to where they bought it from or all the A's with the companies. But that was the time when I knew here's a great opportunity. So um, you know, I contacted at the time Thompsons, who were fresh into Australia, Solgar, fresh into Australia, Blackmores, who obviously had you know the the uh, the, the hold on the market at that time, uh, and um, you know there was three companies who were continuing to run. I had a very very strong sport nutrition um, focus at the time that wasn't affected, and uh, while everyone else was you know demising, we were growing because I was working my relationships, working my discount structures, working my terms. Um, and I actually closed my practice in that health food store for about three months and just focused wholly and solely on the floor because the floor of the store was where the hysteria was. And I knew that I could come in with quiet calmness and help people to, you know, just breathe out, just exhale. Um, we can get through this. Uh, and what did that do? It established massive confidence in the consumer. Um, they weren't going to the other health food store that had been in that shopping centre for 20 years. They were coming to me because I inspired confidence in them. And when the pen pharmaceutical recall started to make its shift and everyone started to come back online, our business grew like 400%. Mm -hmm. So um, that was just an example of being where I needed to be. Uh, and I had excellent staff too. I had really, really good staff who'd been in the game a long time, but we just kept growing and growing from that point. You also, you also said, you, you know, you were where you needed to be at the time. You were also where people needed you to be at the time. That's the same thing. Absolutely. Yep. For me, it's always where do people, what do people need? When you answer the question, what do the people need? You've, you've fixed your business response as well. And everything sings, you know, quite easily. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I find the problem with a lot of people is, you know, what do I need? What, what do I have to do now? And too many people make it about them. Uh, we're in a consumer-based business, you know, uh, and that's, I guess, where I see the massive opportunity right now. We've got all these consumers, you know, in inverted commas, sitting at home, isolated, um, needing direction. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very easy time now to be the leader of the worried consumer. And as we find, as these government, um, you know, packages start to drop in, these people are sitting home with not much to do, consumers will become consumers again. They're all moving online, you know? Mm-hmm everyone's moving online so uh even from um a manufacturing perspective we we manufacture a very high percentage of the sport nutrition here in australia and um we've had some of our businesses that we make product for obviously drop off because retailers are dropping off some retailers have closed their doors um so we've had some of our purchase orders um, halved in some cases we've got other companies we work for that have tripled their purchase orders Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they get the opportunity here and they know how to seize it. And they're working their angles through different doors right now. And so you know, that side of our business grows um, exponentially. Mm-hmm. So the question is always, what's the opportunity here? And the opportunity is always going to come from, you know, um, you know, looking at where people are now going to flock. People need to go somewhere. People are spending all day long on their social media, all day long on the internet and, like I said, everyone's in a little bit of a fear-based panic now. Everyone's pulled back. I'll put money on it a couple of weeks from now. Everyone starts to spend again. And things will start to move back into a normal ebb and flow. And that's where you want to be. My, I talked to a girlfriend last night. and She works for a company that has fingers in many pies. And one of those pies is a sporting goods, outdoors, outfitters sort of company. And another They've one gone crazy. Of, hmm? Yeah, they've gone crazy. All those they, they, well, actually, they've stayed stable, but um, there's three wings to the company. But the uh, one of the sides of the company is um, home, uh, home uh, crafty sorts of goods. And they are booming. They're up hundreds of percent because everybody's yeah. going, oh, well, I'm in a lockdown. I probably need to stay at home and knit or I need to sew or I might need to do scrapbooking with the kids so that yeah. those stores and just hardly able to keep up with the demand which is just yeah. really interesting it's where's the opportunity that's right i can't get a lot of jars right now that we pack um capsules and different things into for customers of ours because pretty much every jar in the country pet htp the whole lot are all now being used for hand sanitizer everyone's <laughs> sold out of every jar seriously oh, so i think wow. if you're a jar manufacturer now like it's it's gone nuts I've got a good friend of mine who owns a, uh, a health food store, uh, a very good health food store. I've uh, been in the game a very long time, 40 odd years, and he's just shut down his retail store now. Just put a sign out the front saying, go online, keep up with their online demand. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they've just shut the whole shop front. They're just packing out the back. And um, I think they're up about three times what they were two months ago. Yeah, wow, wow. So, so a question so, for you, because we're sort of wrapping up on time a little bit. Um, have you have you had or would you consider um, if you were in practice now and obviously be running an online practice? Yeah. Any thoughts on how you would take opportunity at the moment? If I'm in practice now um, and I want to take opportunity, the first thing I do is I work with my existing database. So if people listening don't have a database, that's their first problem. So database is very, 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 very important because you're always better off to market to existing patients than you are to try to get new ones. New patients are all well and good, but new patients um, cost money to get or they cost time to get through referral. So, you know, I just know, I just pulled like my Metascreen 
um, people off my meta screen the other day because I was changing computers. I had like 8,000 people on my meta screen. So there's like 8,000 emails right there that I've now got access to, to direct email if I wanted to. So the very first thing I'd be doing is working with my existing database. I'd be recording uh, a video. I'll be sending that video out to people, you know, basically about what's happening in the world and now the likelihood of um, problems that people are likely to see. Uh, I've got a lot of my database also subcategorized so I know what, what that person is being treated for. So uh, that allows you to then um, micro niche your video content from a marketing perspective. So if I've got a whole bunch of you know, chronic disease slash you know, chronic inflammatory cases, well, I can shoot a video specific for that, talking about the effect of stress now um, on their bodies and what they need to do. I can attach that all sorts of things that can just be a message of hope and, um, and direction for these people, or I can sell them things, whatever I choose to do. Uh, I've got options around that. So uh, that's one thing I'd be doing. The second thing I'd be doing is looking to where the people are, which is social media. So I'd be most definitely hitting up um, paid advertising on social media. I'd probably pump, I don't know, 100, 200 bucks a day into um, a, a not necessarily a micro niche database, but I'd be wanting to at least niche it down that I get the people that I need to talk to for what my subject matter is. So asking the question, what am I great at? What do people need now that I have got to offer? And I'd be trying to directly target those people through social media via paid advertising. I know other naturopaths that are doing that highly successfully. As a matter of fact, some of them are spending five, $600 a day on, uh, on marketing, but they're also getting a 10 times return on that, you know? So yeah. who wants to make five grand a day, you know? So there's, there's a lot of good opportunity there around that. Um, but sometimes people might need help with that, you know, um, keyword advertising and understanding, you know, um, Facebook and Instagram marketing and algorithm issues and those sorts of things. I don't know that stuff, Angela. So, you know, I know that it's a thing. I know it's important to understand, but I get other people to do that for me. Mm. So um, I think that's an important thing. The other thing I think is really important um, that I'd be doing, particularly in a face-to-face -face setting, I'd be taking a lot more time with people right now. Um, and it, it probably sounds a bit odd, but I'd probably be seeing less people and I'd be more than likely giving them more time um, because I find that, when we can resonate a sense of clarity and certainty and calmness in ourself, and we can give a person an hour or more of our time that completely ex exceeds their expectations. So they come in for their gout, for instance, but they leave saying, you know what, I just feel so much better about things, about life, about you know the state of humanity at the moment. I used to put it this way, I never, ever, ever spent $1 on marketing clinically. Ever, not in 17 years. I never spent a dollar, ever. Uh, it was all word of mouth. And that word of mouth is the place where the cream is. So for me, I'd be wanting to work really diligently with the people I have got to make them feel secure, to make them feel safe. All the things they're not feeling right now. And when you're able to offer that, oh, can you see my sister-in-law? Can you treat my friend Tara? Can you see my husband, you know, husband, brother, Dean? And just watch them line up for exactly the, the same thing. People need the sense of safety and certainty right now. Don't make it about the gout. Make it about the sense of what humanity requires. And from that will draw so much word of mouth, I can promise, that you know, worrying about even needing to go online will probably be the last of your issues. Mm, nice. You're selling the certainty. And, and in times of 
That's what you're selling. Yeah, yeah, people like, don't people don't necessarily want discounting. They want safety. They want security right now. Mm. Well, it's, it's like the old saying in marketing. You know, Harley Davidson don't sell motorbikes; they sell freedom. Yeah. You know, so they appeal to generally middle-aged men that you know need to feel like they're not stuck in their 50, 60, 80 hour a week job that can get out and blow some breeze through their hair on the weekend, you know? So that's what they sell. They sell freedom and they sell freedom. If you look at their marketing, they sell freedom very well. Mm -hmm. So then it's about looking at, well, what am I selling? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and I, I can guarantee that if most practitioners who listen to this ask, what am I selling? They probably haven't even thought of it before. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of your business to this point almost becomes fluke, even in the good times. So it's about being able to even pull out a piece of paper and a pencil right now and work on simple things like what's my brand promise? Yeah, brand certainty. What do I stand for? These, these things are really important. When people get clear on who they are and what they offer, um, the marketing becomes almost second to nature after that. Can I add to that? It's probably going to take us a little bit longer than I was hoping, but... Um... If you ask most practitioners, what do they sell? They'll say, I'll sell health. Yeah. But that's not really. That's, the, that, 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 that's a problem. That's, that's the, the, the market you're in. It's not what you're selling. It's the, it's yeah. the market. It's not your niche. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know what? You, you, you actually, it's more important people focus on the problem, right? Because as, as the saying goes in business, the solution is only as good as the problem it fixes. So the big thing is out there is, you know, what I sell is the solution to a problem, but knowing the problem is the most important thing. And the problem for everyone in the world right now has just shifted, quite possibly only momentarily, but that gives us a three to six month window in which to target that issue and get the return we're after. Not just get a financial return, but actually help people, you know, which is why we're here. You know, come, come out of your practice in the day and go, Fuck yeah, <laughs> that's that was awesome. You know what I mean? That was good because it reinstills it in you. It's like the, the 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 saying: we teach what we most need to learn. So a lot of the time, we're able to kind of look into what is it now out there that's affecting me. Even is that affecting you know people on a broader scale? Focusing on the problem and offering the solution to that problem. That that's where it all lies right now. That's that's where the clever practitioners will be. No one wants no one wants health until they don't have it anymore. Yeah, 100%. Or the fear of not having it, or the certainty mm. of having it is taken away. That's right, 100%. Mm, absolutely. Awesome. So you are indeed a giant. This uh, I've always admired you, how you work and what you stand for. You walk the talk in all aspects of the way that you live your life. So do you have any advice for anybody that wants to stand on your shoulders? That's an interesting question. Jeez. Advice for people who want to stand on my shoulders. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? Here's my, my prime advice to people, not just practitioners, but to, to people. One of my big pieces of advice, which I think is really intricate now, is to work on your own purpose at this current time. Um, a lot of people, particularly in business, will place their, their purpose on what they perceive as their outer purpose, you know, so uh, I'm a naturopath or I'm a, you know, a TCM practitioner or whatever. And a lot, of the, a lot of that gets lost. I find personally that a lot of the people who 
are the most successful in this space are the people who actually work on their own consciousness. And um, I find that for me, I'm my best when I'm my best. That's, that's what I find, you know, not, not so much working on my business, but working on me because I am my business. And as practitioners, we are our business. So you can look at your business as a scalable entity. You can look at your business as a successive plan of buildings and practices. But at the end of the day, that the business comes from you. So I find that knowing who we are and working on our own level of purpose, which is our own consciousness, saying, staying conscious at a time when people are half dead, and asleep all the time really is the place where the clarity comes from mm. and when we get clear and we, we gain clarity and we can flow that onto a business structure and an in, intent around what we want to do uh, it's really easy Angela so mm. I find business really easy to be honest with you you know but I also meditate on it an hour a day every single day every single day i always have very clear intentions about you know who i am and what i want to achieve and what i want to resonate with the world but my business extends from that even in um supplement formulation it extends from that you know i, I draw people to me who um a lot of the time they know what they want to achieve but they don't really understand the target audience properly so i sit down with these people and help them to understand the target audience you know the target audience if you want to make like i had a, a lady i met with up on the gold coast last week um very successful lady very famous woman um and she wants to start a range of products which she's doing and she wants to run down a, a road that i find quite pedestrian and based upon her fame and the fame of her husband, she'll probably sell a fair bit of it. And out of the probably 150 brands that are doing it already, maybe that fame might catapult her into the top 20. However, this person's also had cancer and dealt with cancer on the highest level. And you've only got to bring the word up to see the tears roll. And her passion lies in helping people with cancer. And the bulk of her emails that she receives every day are from people with cancer. And I sort of sat there pulling my hair out saying, are you not seeing, <laughs> are you not seeing where you need to go? Do you know what I mean? Um, she's got a lot of her own fear around that and a lot of her own stuff that hasn't properly been dealt with around that. But uh, we will now move this direction and she will heal from the healing of others and she'll create a protocol of, of treatment which hasn't been done before and that will help people you know mm. so a lot of the time I find that you know getting really clear in oneself is the big thing you know um, there's no point playing where there's no passion and there's no point playing where there's no audience so it's about being able to understand well what is my passion great um, where is there an audience for this great um, is it a large passion that I may need to micro niche. Uh, it may be uh, that helps us even more from a marketing perspective, but maybe that's not necessarily required. Maybe I need to actually just sit with this, but I'm a massive fan of pen and paper, Angela. It's, it's, it's the thing that I find will really allow people to put things in place. And when you look at performance coaches like the Kerwins and the Sean's of the world, every quarter you spend a week with these guys going over, 
your, your goals, your smart goals, you know, and, and, and your plan for the year. So you've got your, what we call your tops, you know, and then you've got your smart goals. So what we want to achieve in a 12-month structure, what that means into a quarterly structure, what that means into a weekly structure, how we then micro-niche that down to a very small scale of maybe, you know, notes on Evernote or something like that, where we actually have things that need to be applied on a daily basis, but we're working towards a much larger goal orientation. And a lot of the time you find when you roundtable this stuff with businesses, which I've done many a time, um, there's often a lot of holes in the individual at the top of the business. And that's where my favourite saying around business goes is that the fish thinks from the head down. So 99% of the time, if you pull back the head of the business, you're able to see where the problems are in the business. And that means, you know, um, self-direction. So too many people are always trying to direct outwards and externalize, which is typical of people, of course, but when we can actually self-direct, bring it inside and kind of work on the business, but also work on us in that process, you start to work out your aha moments. We all have them. I have them. Everyone has them. You know, it's Kerwin has them. And there's times when you've got to actually sort of, I guess, take responsibility for that, strip that back for what it is, seeing it for what it is, and then go, okay, great, this is where it needs to go. I can do that or I've got to bring someone else in for that or I may have to look at a different direction for that uh, and let it be what it is. Businesses have their own pulse, you know, so that would be my advice, self-direction. Love it. That is just wonderful, wonderful advice. And uh, I'm really hoping that the conversation that we've had today helps a lot of practitioners, inspires them, that uh, there is a future in the industry. It's a growing industry. And perhaps taking the little bit of time we have at the moment to go back in and to really identify what your purpose is so that when you come out, you can really take advantage of the opportunities. For sure. And the other thing too is looking where the future's going. You know, there, there is uncertainty in our industry, yes. And many of us will find ourselves smack bang in the middle of that uncertainty. So the time to evolve is now. So when I spoke before about fear-based reactions, that's what shoots people down the fastest. People kind of keep going and going and going with their head in the sand, like this won't affect me, and then it affects you, and then we make a fear-based reaction. It's never the way to go. So it's about saying, all right, well, we have issues right now around legislation. Um, looking in my industry, I've got massive issues with the TGA. Uh, what's that going to mean for the future? So I'm evolving now. You know, I've got to evolve now. Where, where's, where's the gold? Where can I move to that's exempt from this stuff? Where can I move to that this isn't going to be a problem for me if this happens in two or three years or in 18 months? So you've always got to look at what your risk management is. You know, what are the major risks? And the only risk I find most practitioners look at is competition. So what's my risk? Oh, there's three other naturopaths in my town, you know, and um, at the moment, the risks are much larger than that. They're, they're, it's on more of a, a global scale and the legislation is where the primary risk comes in. So how do I move aside from that risk? And what am I going to do if that does close down? And you know, all of a sudden, a lot of what I prescribe isn't available anymore. What do I do then? How do I assess you know, my business and maintain it then because then uh, this little lockdown thing is the least of our problems, isn't it? You know, so uh, I'm always looking worst case scenario. So I'm looking at risk management. I'm looking at what's the absolute worst bloody scenario that could happen here. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with one of those right now. The Aussie dollars just shit itself by about 18%. I deal in Aussie dollar. Um, 
you know, in, in US dollar, day in, day out. So right now, uh, we're playing with like a 58 cent Australian dollar. That's a real problem for me. Um, but this was forecast a long while ago and, you know, we've bought nearly a million dollars at US 70 cents that we've now got to sit on that hopefully will ride us out for at least three to five months. And hopefully by then, things start to settle, you know, but you've got to forecast, okay, that happened, this is what it means for me. If that happened, this is what it means for me. So right now, anyone making a shift, it's too late. Everyone's made their jump too late. So right now, it's just sink or swim. But once we get through this small sink or swim process, it's about looking at, okay, what's my risk management moving forward? Because this is going to continue in one way or another. It is. It is. So let's, let's all be agile. Let's uh, be forward thinking and positive thinking and yeah. look at what we can actually do at the moment to service our community, to make sure that we are helping people, that we're being rewarded ourselves, our own buckets are being filled up and that we've sure. got a future that is going to be one that we're really looking forward to. Yeah, I agree. Mm, and and people are lucky to have you in their corner um you know doing what you do these days you know so it's really good it's um it's exciting and, and like i said there's there's other people than just us who have the same level of care and concern uh that might have been in the game a little bit longer or maybe at a, a slightly deeper level to some other people that are able to shed some light on what's happening or what's coming or whatever it may be and allow people to know how to make the move quickly. My, my concern now, Angela, isn't necessarily for practitioners. My concern now is for the, the budding practitioners who have just finished studying or are still wanting to study, who are coming into a very uncertain marketplace now, um, that they may have a real hard time cracking, you know? So um, they're the ones that I have more concern for than I do the practitioners that are already out there with a, a pretty firm um, patient base uh, and who know their craft really well. So um, they've just got to learn a new craft now. So it's called the business craft. Combine the two together, this could possibly be the best thing that's ever happened to anyone. You know, you come through it stronger than before, working less days, uh, working from remote locations, working from overseas. Uh, making more coin, servicing more people, spreading a larger message. Uh, what can possibly be bad about that? Yeah, and you don't even have to wear pants. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not going to stand up so you can see what I've got on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. It's been a great chat. I appreciate your time and um, I hope that maybe some of what I've said has resonated with some people and I'm happy to support any way I can. And, um, I'll find out how to get access to the back end of my website so I can show everyone my online contact forms. Um, and that might help people and spur people along a little bit. Sure. Well, if you, if you can share them with me and I'll put them into the show notes, if that's a possibility. Absolutely. Sounds awesome. Thanks so much, Shannon. Yeah. It's been great. A pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. We hope you found today's discussion helpful in your own professional journey. Sharing our experiences as practitioners is such a great way to develop together. So before you go, why not take a moment to share this episode with someone that you know will value it. And whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify or any of the other platforms, remember to like and review the episode too. We read all of your comments and would love to hear your suggestions for future topics. Head to metagenics.com.au for downloads, links and other business support materials. Standing on the shoulders of giants, supporting you in creating your best practice.